Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute for a consultation with a professional. Something I think about a lot is, you know, the fact that Frank is 12 years older than I am. Yeah, he turned 53 this year. I just turned 40. And, you know, like, it it breaks my heart when I go back to older pictures of him. You know, I can see, you know, know, I can see him getting older. Because to me, it's just this treasure in my life. And I have to imagine for you, like, when you're seeing parents age, it's that and worse because... Funny, actually, because my parents were 10 years older than each other. My my, my mom passed away uh, on the 23rd for people that are listening that uh, didn't catch that really suddenly. And uh, she's... My my dad's 10 years older than than her, so she took care of him. Uh, And that was a very slow decline, but that meant that we were prepared for it. Whereas my mom, uh, we went over on the 17th. She had a brain hemorrhage. We didn't know what. We didn't, I just thought she took like two sleeping pills instead of one or something else uh, because she was really tired. She didn't present. It was a brain bleed. It wasn't really a, it wasn't a stroke. It, it presents itself similarly to a stroke, but it's different. So she had a massive bleed in her brain, and uh, we brought her to the hospital. And then after that day, she just didn't wake up. Um, oh. And... Uh, we just made sure that she was really comfortable, um, so on a lot of morphine, so that she wouldn't be in any pain and wouldn't wake up scared. When I saw they, the doctor showed me the brain scans, which uh, some people might be like, "Oh, do you really want to see that?" But it, it gave me comfort in what our decision would be. I knew right. my mom did had a DNR, um, and uh, in in Canada they also do have euthanasia if you choose. Um, though there's a, a big process to that, we just wanted to make sure that she was really comfortable, so they. Um, when I saw that and I sent it to my neuropsychologist sister-in-law, um, she, she, uh, took a look too. And so it was like nice to see that, yes, like she would be, you know, half paralyzed, loss of language. It was on her, um, oh, oh. left side. So her right side was paralyzed cause the, 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 the sides are opposite each other. Yeah. Right. And she didn't have language, wouldn't understand what people were saying. She'd be yeah. really angry. And I, we'd already talked about this. Like, people don't like to talk about death because it's so horrible. But it's really, difficult. you yeah. should. Yeah. It's a hard subject. Does no one want, like, everyone dies. None of us get out of this, this alive, right? Um, but you need to talk to the people around you about what they want because it's a hard decision. And I knew what yeah. she wanted. And it was a yeah. hard decision. Yeah. Um, How long have they been married for? 60. Three years. Wow. Yeah. See, yeah, I've been married to Frank for a decade this year. And right. if he died, I yeah. don't think I would want to live. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I yeah. just imagine that times, you know, 6.3. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, My I don't know. My mom was like yeah. a little girl when they met. Like not. She was uh, 18, 19 um, when they met. But which is actually kind of old for, for those days. Um, yeah. to meet someone in pair up, but, uh, <laughs> they met, they, he proposed a week later. They only met each other for one day. Um, and they were together for like, like 60, like longer than I've been alive. Right. Um, 
And uh, so in some ways, like, they're together, so that's nice. Wherever that might be, whatever you believe in, they're together. You believe in nothing, they're, they're both nothing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's horrible. Um, but, you know, she was lonely, and, yeah. you know, yeah. my dad got his birthday gift. Uh, his Christmas gift. So. I mean, all of us are married. If your spouse died tomorrow, like you would feel lost. It's, it's, you know, this is why that phenomenon exists of, you yeah. know, spouses dying so close to each other. So yeah. Yeah. man, this is, this is better motivation for 2017 to get 2018, to get Frank to go to the damn gym. Because <laughs> just for yeah. me, you know what? just yeah. for me, I got yeah. stuff to yeah, do. You, get, dude, you, you, you like, can't, you can't, yes. you know, you can't have him, you know, kick it off and then you follow him out. And no, like, no. that's absolutely no, 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 true. No. You have to, you have to do that. And you have to have that uncomfortable, a conversation with the people that you love about what do they want would they want like I know that I don't want to be like linger like I want also to be like have it be fast painless yeah. you know put me out if if there's no chance of a, a healthy recovery to that um, and and let everyone know do you want to be buried do you want to be cremated do, where do you want to be where do you want to like how do you want it to be would you want a funeral I know my parents hated funerals we don't, we're not going to do a funeral we might do a cruise um, or something else that would be fun because my mom just believed in fun, uh, enjoying life, and uh, going through all of her notes. It's hard, but she de- dealt with the death of her sister, and so I read what she talked about how she coped with that. Awesome. Well, not yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, not yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome may not be it, but it is nice. It is nice that you know. I know that. You know, she talked about how she had to have fun on her 25th wedding, wedding anniversary because her sister had died the year before um, because we're still here. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, Georgia, I have yeah. some fun for you on today's okay. show. Hi. Before we good. get to topics, I have a game for you. And this is a silly <laughs> game. So I am texting oh my God. a picture. Tell me it's not going to be, it's I am not texting... be like numbers or dates. Okay. I'm texting a picture to our group chat. Let me know when y'all have it. Okay. I see. Yes. Okay, do you see that part in yellow? Wait, so, wait, wait, I don't have the group chat. Wait, I don't know how to find it on this new Skype. No, no, no. Oh, in, it's in on your phone. I it's on your oh, phone. Okay, okay, sorry, because I'm like, oh, God, I've done something else. Yeah. No, <laughs> they, they, changed, they changed Skype, and now everything is everything in the world it's is terrible. terrible. It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know. They're okay. like, we gave you colors. Yeah. Mm-hmm, right. Okay, okay, I see it. You see it. Okay, so I am no longer a resident of normal car land. Uh, We talked last week about how, well, two weeks ago, how my car had been hit. Um, So I just got the estimate back from the insurance company. So I want to see y'all guess how much you think, and we'll leave this picture in the show notes. I want to see all of you guess how much you think that is going to cost to fix and why. So this this is your Porsche. This is my Porsche Cayman, uh, a car that I bought, just so we're clear about this, I bought this car for $36,000. So this isn't like a $100,000 car, right? This right, is a, right. this is a used yeah. a used car that's worth about $36,000, and that's on the Beautiful. high end. Okay. Yes. And this is a bump. Okay, so what I see is the back uh, left side of the car bumper is, is dented in like, yep. I don't know, two and a half inches, and it's about yep. the size of... A like, basketball? I would say your hand, not my yeah. hand, because I have tiny right. little yeah. Uh, yeah. like hands. And the tail okay. light is broken above it. Okay, yes. Okay. 
And okay. just to be clear, the airbag didn't go off. I was in neutral when I was hit, so my car just like impacted off of it like a bumper car and went forward, right? Uh, the seatbelt <laughs> tensioners didn't go off. Yeah. Uh, relatively minor accident. So, okay. uh, Georgia, let's go with you first. How uh, much do you think I would that say because they, they'll have to fix the entire bumper. Yeah. You know, that's a full panel. Yeah, so. So I would say like, I don't know, $3,000. You think $3,000, okay. Yeah. Including paint? Yeah. <laughs> okay. What, $500 for paint? I don't know how long. How much color, like... You just get an off-color bumper and just slap it on and, you know, it's yeah, really fine. Yeah, that's how it works. they color match it, like what? How, long, how much are you going to pay for, like, painting a bumper? I can pay it for free. I've got my own HPLV gun. So. Oh, really? Oh, that's okay. very cool. Okay. Okay. Steve, how much do you think I, that I will. I will say, because I'll take whatever I would think that it would be in, like, normal land. And then multiply that by some amount. So <laughs> I'll say it's probably around ten thousand dollars. Steve, you are very close to being correct. <laughs> Jesus. So uh, so hold on, I'm gonna put a picture of it of what it's like underneath it. So they basically have to replace everything there. <laughs> I had to take it to a specialist, of which there are only fifty six in the entire country, to get them to fix this. And the actual number to repair this thing is $7,500. So isn't that ridiculous? Now, what happens, because in Canada we have, everyone pays their own insurance. Like, we don't have a lot of insurance fraud. So we all, my insurance, if I get bumped, my insurance pays for my car. Sure. Yeah. Um, So you go to your insurance company, and then they have to, they, or does the other person that bumped you, what happens in this? Oh, goodness, that is a lot of tech in there. Yeah, yeah, look at all the yellow. Everything in yellow has to be either uh, like a, a laser analyzer hooked up to it to measure it, <laughs> and it's all everything all? in yellow is is uh, well, is hurt. It's remember the that the engine's thing, in the back too, Georgia. No, it's front. in the it's in the trunk. You're thinking of a 911, Steve. Oh, the, okay. The, this is a mid-engine car, so it's right behind the front seats. Oh, okay. So, so what, what what exactly am I looking at? I'm sorry. I'm not that yeah. knowledgeable. No, no, no. It's fine. So the aluminum thing, do you see that big aluminum thing yeah. below? That's yeah. called my aluminum sensor bar. If that had mm. been touched, the car would probably be totaled because <gasps> the repairs to it would be more than $36,000. Well, oh, my God. What is going to cause you to do that? Because this, is, because this is an <laughs> aluminum frame car. Uh, aluminum is very lightweight, but if it you know, gets bent. These are very easy to total. People have no idea about that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Really ridiculous. It's a bumper. It's at the back. Why would they make it stick all the way out and not have like a, like more bumper there? At that point, you're protecting the bumper. The bumper isn't protecting (laughs) you. Yeah. It's a Porsche. Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense now. So the, to answer your question, and we'll, yeah. we'll move on to some topics. Here in Massachusetts, uh, so the guy, it was so obviously his fault, he didn't contest it. If he had, the insurance company would have had to like look, wait for the police reports and get copies of it and all that kind of stuff. And you know the fact that he cited it would be 100% his fault. So my insurance company is paying, they're dealing with it. Uh, we have a law here in Massachusetts where I get to pick the shop I go to, meaning I can take it to a Porsche specialist, no problem. Uh, but uh, then they do all the work, and then they charge his insurance company. So, oh, okay. 
the big thing that's going to be hard to do is this is a car that's completely clean for an accident report. So oh. after oh, yeah. after uh, this is added to it, I am actually going to sue this child that hit my car so recklessly and uh, for diminished value because the value of my car is going to go down by at least 3000 to $6,000. So, yeah, this is a real pain in the butt because, like, a, a child was learning to drive and didn't keep his eye on the road. That's... Pretty dumb. So you have like yeah. the worst car stories. I know, right? <laughs> and it's have you so ever terrible. had an accident on your bike? On my motorcycle, yeah. uh, I've tipped it over and broken some ribs. But well, okay, <laughs> no. other than that, I'd rather break so a bumper than break the, ribs. I guess, but, but it's the bike that's usually dangerous. But yeah. you've had like yeah. like car horror stories, but the yeah. bike, you've been fine. See, yeah. Georgia, Georgia in fairness, Bree is driving in Massachusetts, so it's actually kind of amazing that those are only the stories that she has. Yeah, it's given, true. given the Fair. quality okay. of driver that's on the road around her. It's really true. It's really true. All right, let's, uh, let's well, get to some topics. Well, I mean, t- yeah. speaking of uh, things that are broken, we can talk about this whole <laughs> Apple battery fiasco that un- that unfolded over the last two weeks um since we recorded last and and if you're listening to us we probably don't need to tell you what's going on but we may as well just in case you have this happens to be the first podcast that you're listening to after your uh your christmas and new year's uh hibernation it came out and i'm actually i don't remember how this started how um but it was discovered that uh apple had put in some of the recent versions of ios that if your battery is below a certain uh, a certain point where it's holding a particular amount of charge, that it will start uh, slowing down the operating system in order to preserve battery life. And this was not a not like a battery saving feature that was noted anywhere. It wasn't a setting that you could turn on. It was just happening for you. Mm-hmm. And then this led to a bunch of the conspiracy theorists who have been saying that Apple is intentionally slowing down your phone as it gets older to get you to buy a new one to come out and say, ha-ha, I told you so. Um, Apple eventually did come out and and explain what was going on. And uh, after there were a number of lawsuits that were, that were filed, uh, immediately after this was confirmed, Apple came out this week and said that they are going to be uh, making it more clear in the operating system and offering a toggle for this in the settings, and that starting in January, they're going to be reducing the cost of uh, battery replacement at the Apple Store from $79, which it is now, to $29, at least through 2018, and that this is what they're they're doing to make up for the issue. But that still is not stopping, you know, every Android manufacturer from coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, we don't slow down. We don't slow down your phone when the, when your battery dies, you know, the the phones just stop working." If this was any other company, it would be a non-story, and it right. seems like this is the kind of thing that I'm not surprised that Apple would do something like this because this is completely within their wheelhouse to do something that somebody in the OS group thought would be a good thing and then either not communicate it so that it could get it, it could get communicated out or just decide that it was something that the user didn't need to worry about. Um, but this has turned into like something on on the level of antenna gate, except that this is actually like a real thing. Right. Um, I think that Apple's main issue to this is that they didn't say anything. And I think yep. that Apple's 
I, I think that the, the main issue with Apple is that they're very secretive and kind of like do things for the what they think is best. I think that it looks and it looks sketchy because, yeah, right. this is a great way to people be like, my phone's too slow. I'm going to get a new one. Like Apple really doesn't need to uh, risk bad press to make people buy new phones. So I don't think that this was done maliciously. I think that they did this so that people are able to use their phones for longer and they just thought, ah, you know, no one really cares about that. And do they need to know? And because it's Apple and because, you know, Apple is a trusted company, uh, for the most part, when they do things behind the scenes, this becomes a problem. I think that they should have come out, said, listen, you know, if you feel like your you know, phone's turning off or not lasting long enough, you have a setting and you can use this setting. But again, like Apple's like doomed if they do or not, because uh, that would be bad press, too. They'd be like, well, what's wrong with your phones? People would be like going through it. And there'd be a whole bunch of articles about that as well. Um, so I think either way, Apple handled it really in a, like when they got caught, uh, they handled it really well and put out like, you know, really cheap battery replacements that everyone should do. Like you should just, if you have an older phone, like a six, you should like, you know, which is not, it's still a great phone and, and older, but you should get your battery replaced while they can do this. But, you know, it becomes a really big issue. It makes their stocks go up and down. Um, like, I, I don't see Apple choosing to do something like this. They know what happens whenever they, um, they just they just don't think about transparency. Like, they're just not really that good with what happens behind the surface. And then someone finds it, and they haven't said anything, and it becomes a s- scandal. Bree? I I don't know if I agree with you there. I mean, I think that... I think that Apple is held to such double standards. Like Apple is almost like it, it Apple is almost like a woman in the tech industry. Yeah, yeah. Where where the bros, yeah. the bros next door at Android, you know, they can just do whatever they want and everybody's going to give them a break. Like, oh, Android didn't said they were going to put a security patch on this phone and they didn't, but they're going to try. And you know, meanwhile over at Apple, this is a woman in tech and she's working really hard and everything <laughs> she does is judged in a really unfair oh way God, by the public. It's sorry, a it's a good so analogy. It's a good analogy because like, you know, for them, look at this from their point. Like they're having meetings with the iOS 11 and like what's really at stake here. You know, if the batteries get old, you know, you're talking about catching on fire or, you know, the battery life plummeting to nothing forever. And then behind the scenes, people being like, oh, oh, look at my Apple. It gets terrible battery life. I hate this. And, you know, or Apple phones catching on fire. And whereas Samsung just deals with a bad press cycle for about two weeks, you know, everybody and their mother and their cousin and their brother would be writing, Apple's doomed if iPhones started catching on fire, right? So they did it, and they kind of chose to be a little bit secretive about it. Uh, I do have to give uh, Renee Ritchie, your friend and our friend, uh, a little bit of blowback where he said this is, uh, you know, everybody was briefed about it in the press. You know, Christina uh, Warren, that's not her, you know, understanding of it. But, you know, just overall, they're putting a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And then what did they do in response they offer some repairs essentially at cost or below cost to their customers, which is 10 out of 10. They're being more transparent, which is 10 out of 10. And it's like, here we are yet again where the double standards of Apple, like this is a great outcome for consumers, but let's not kid ourselves. Like this is, this is not fair to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the number of people who are really 
affected by this, assuming that it's at this that it this throttling doesn't kick in until you're at the point where your battery is severely degraded enough that they would do an in an in warranty replacement because I've tried to do that by the way because like I up until they made a change to I use sleep cycle as my as my alarm clock in the morning mm-hmm. and up until recently Which is a great what, alarm clock oh it's amazing wake yeah. up tired or groggy sleep cycle will make sure that you wake up during your lightest sleep cycle so you will wake up more refreshed just sorry throwing that in there yeah so it, and, and it's amazing but up until they made an update recently that lets me keep it on my bedside table you had to keep it on the mattress under a pillow under your pillow yeah. to because what it would do is it would use the accelerometer to track like subtle movements in the in the bed while you're sleeping to figure out when you're sleeping when you're awake so mm-hmm. that heat that sustained heat oh and and keeping an app running overnight for every night for the length of the phone would mean that my batteries would degrade fairly quickly. And the I was actually on the fence about getting the iPhone 7 last year, and what pushed me over the edge is I was driving to work with my GPS going, and with the phone plugged in, and it was like 44%, and it just died on me. And I took it to the Apple store, and expecting I was going to be able to get the battery replaced, they're so like, oh, no, your battery's at 83% capacity. We can't do a battery replacement. So, like, my phone's literally shutting down while charging, and it still wasn't enough for them to do the battery replacement in warranty. Like, I could have paid the $80, but I wasn't going to do that because I was just going to get a new phone instead. Um, So I I really do wonder how many people are really being affected by this because it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that's going to kick in until the battery's really, really on its last legs. That said... It's think, under it's yeah. under sixty percent. That's the number, yeah. right? And my okay. my battery was yeah. shutting down, and they said it was like at eighty three. So uh, even then, it's going to be pretty significantly destroyed. Like you'd have to ha- be really hard on your battery, harder than I am, which is pretty hard to do. That said, I think that the other reason that there's this much blowback is because this has been the kind of thing that's been, uh, you know, a, a low level conspiracy theory for a while and you have family members who are saying things like oh hey you know it seems like my phone's getting really slow and they want me to buy a new one when they put the new you know when they put the operating system on a two or three year old phone and you know you have people like us who are acting as their you know informal IT department saying no that's just the way it is it's not they're not actively doing it you're just you know your phone's getting older and now they're seeing this and it's like haha I knew it they were slowing down my phone so I could get a new one. And it makes the people who are acting as their – and I've seen this on Twitter from a few people. It makes those people who had been defending them feel kind of let down because they'd been defending Apple and saying that's not what's happening. And whether or not that's what's happening, they're, it turns out, no, they actually were slowing down the phone. And now they've lost a little bit of trust from their family who, who they're supporting. Right. But they, yeah, which is, which is true. Like that's the, the, like, you know, Apple does stuff to try to make our, our lives easier and they, they do get blowback from that. Um, right now we just, uh, Apple just sent me, Renee just actually sent me his new article that Apple now, it was going to start in January when you can get your uh, battery replaced, but now they're starting it now. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. So like they really, whenever Apple has like like done something that they, you know, that wasn't the, in the best interest of their customers for their own. Like, again, I don't think that Apple ever tries. Like, really, we are their market, so they really do try to please us. And it, it makes no sense for them not to. They're not a company that has to penny pinch. 
Um, but they, they really do make up for it, right? Like they sent out bumpers, they fix things, they deal with it, they change things. They do want to make sure that we, who are the people that make the most money, like Google sells our information, we're, we're what they sell. Apple is this, we are who they sell to. And so they want to make sure that we're happy with that. And they're able to be able to do something, which is a really low, like they're losing money on doing a $29 replacement for a battery. And so, you know, they're, they're doing it now. They're going through it. And I think that it is true that, you know, sometimes you don't know what Apple is up to with it, um, but they're not doing it on purpose to do something malicious. And, you know, I think that people, because Apple has, is held to such a high regard that they can, you know, that this is a a huge scandal when really it's not a huge scandal. And you're absolutely right, Brie, with the, you know, it's better than having your phone melt in your pocket and burn you or explode. So Yeah, it's just unfair to them all the way around. Um, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess the only last thing I'd say is that, you know, being in a position where you have to do communication like this to end users occasionally, like as I am, like it is a struggle what you tell an yeah. end user Mm-hmm. about what about what the changes that you're making because very often either it doesn't matter to them or they're going to understand it in a way that you didn't intend and go off in a direction and i could see somebody who's looking at a feature that is going to say hey this is going to slow down your phone if they made that obvious to the end user that a lot of people would just shut it would just turn it off because well yeah. I don't I don't want Apple slowing down my phone why would I ever yeah. want that so yeah. I could and then see they'd be angry that their phone isn't lasting for that long exactly and it would still be an issue so they go through all that work and put this feature in that's supposed to help the user and then by communicating it end up you know doing the opposite so I could see that thought process going through but I think even that being the case you still need to make that more clear to the people who are, you know, in the in the tech press and who are responsible for communicating this out to people who will understand it to make sure that it's not building up to to this because the problem isn't so much that most that the normal people didn't know it's that people like us didn't know and then couldn't get ahead of get ahead of it on Apple's behalf. You know, like when we're taken by surprise, too, and they don't tell anybody, that's when they get into trouble. Yeah. People get upset, right? Yeah. Yeah. There it is. All right. So, um, but why don't we talk about something that does work, uh, does work really (laughs) well. And we will, and we'll uh, take a minute to uh, thank Eero for sponsoring this episode of Disruption. Oh, I love Uh, them. um, And, and. We love them, too, because they will help you never think about Wi-Fi again, and thinking about Wi-Fi is something you never want to have to do. So uh, Eero has created the dream Wi-Fi setup, a fast, reliable connection throughout your house, even the backyard, and now is the best time to get on board as they just released their super slick second-gen devices, um, along with Eero Beacon that allows you to build a Wi-Fi system that's perfectly tailored to your home. Uh, the new second-gen Eero has a third 5 gigahertz radio, which makes it twice as fast, and it lets you power have the power to blanket your entire home in fast and reliable Wi-Fi. It sits flat on any surface. You can just plug it into the wall, and you're ready to go. And it has a new thread radio, which, let, which lets you connect low-power devices like locks, doorbells, and any other IoT devices that you would want to have in your house. And they're also introducing the new Eero Beacon, which you can just plug into a wall and then expand coverage in, into any room. And you can add as many Eero Beacons as you want, as long as you have an Eero device, and it even has nightlight. So if you have a room that 
you know, you need a nightlight and you need Wi-Fi, you got both all in one. Um, it also lets you manage your network right from a mobile app, and you can easily create and share a guest network. And their customer support is amazing. You can call and get a hold of a Wi-Fi expert in just 30 seconds. Um, and Bree, you have you have this in your have you set have you gotten this set up in your uh, in your new place yet? Yes, this was my ten hour process of setting up my Eero, my new house. Um, I threw the three beacons in my purse, yeah. and I came to the new house. And I plugged the base connector into the uh, the Ethernet hub downstairs in the basement, and then I walked to the second floor and I plugged it in, uh-huh. and I walked to the third floor and I plugged it in. And I checked in the app, and that was it. That is how I got Ethernet in a three-story house on my porch. Um, You can even access it from if you're way in the backyard playing with the dog. So um, it is. it could not be easier. And the thing I really, really, really appreciate about this is, as best as I can tell, the the security because that's something I think about a lot running for Congress. The security on this uh, it defaults to um, the UDID of your account as best as I can tell. Meaning, you know, like yes, if someone gets the uh, the password, they can hack in, but it's going to be very difficult for someone to like get that base setting and that base app and mess around with it with you for you. Uh, the other thing that I really really like about this is if you are a parent. Uh, they've got a slight upcharge feature for this where you can like lock down domains and yeah, you know, like Steve, you've got you have children where you have to think about their exposure to sensitive issues, yeah. right? Um, so like this is something that gives you tools to do that. It's a fantastic experience, and this is everything Apple's airport should be and is not. Yeah, or, or even just being able to say, okay, you're not the Wi-Fi for you is not turning on until you've done your your homework. Yeah. Yeah. Even something sim- simple like that is... That is, by the yeah. way, a great way of making sure kids do their homework. Yeah. <laughs> if, you want the wi- if you want the Wi-Fi turned on, you got to you give me your homework on. first. It's true. Yeah. I, tell, yeah. I tell parents this all the time that, you know, your child isn't doing what they have to do. Like, their currency is is Wi-Fi. Like, it work, it'll work for me. Don't tell my hubby. But, you know, no yeah. Wi-Fi? I'm like, okay, suddenly that's going to get done. I'm just... <laughs> Just yeah. I'll be like, okay, no, those chores, yeah. they're finished. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking at the app right now. That would that would take seconds to do. So yeah. 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 That's that's huge for pretty much any parent to be able to to use the Wi-Fi as currency once they get yeah. to a, an age where they're uh online on their own. So um so the new the new Aero system starts at $399 for one second gen Aero and two beacons, and that's everything you need to get started. And listeners to this show can get free overnight shipping to the US and Canada when you head to Eero.com and use the promo code disruption. That again, that's Eero.com. Use the promo code disruption for free overnight shipping. And thank you so much to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. They're great. I love them. Um uh, okay, so well, I guess we should talk about We'll we'll go we'll get the dark stuff out of the way and then we'll go to happier stuff I suppose. <laughs> we can talk about this this swatting attack that happened um, yesterday yesterday as we're recording. Well, I guess today's the thirtieth, so it happened this this Thursday. If you've been following it all, you you might have seen this. There was apparently what happened is that there was there's a way to wager on matches in Call of Duty. So there was. Uh, there were these two players who got into a dispute about 
a match that, where they'd wave, wagered a dollar and fifty cents, and uh. this, it, which is, is is amazing to me that this started over a dollar and fifty cents. So the two people involved uh, started arguing. It escalated. One um, threatened to SWAT the other and brought in this person named Swatistic, who's been a known person who's called in. At least he's taking credit for a number of high-profile swatting attacks, including the bomb threat that was called into the FCC during the net neutrality debate. And, um, you know, threatened to SWAT the other guy. The other guy says, go ahead, here's my address, gives him a fake address. So, or it wasn't, the address was real. It just didn't belong to him. Didn't belong to him. Right. And then the the call goes into the police. The police go into this other address. The man answers the door and is shot and killed by the police. The more that I read about this, it feels like a plane where they say, you know, with a plane crash, it's never just one thing, right? Like it's, it's multiple things that went wrong, but just... This has been an issue that has been around for years in the gamer community and and it's you know obviously when when GamerGate was at its at its peak this was happening quite a bit and there was a lot of discussion about it and it just seems like we're 4 years later this is still happening and police still have no way to uh, to to get ahead of this and not become part of you know part of this tragedy so, I mean, uh, well, I, I think, like, just journalistic fact check. Um, as far as I've seen so far, Steve, um, no formal charges have been brought against this kid. Is that correct at this point? Um, I believe they're still investigating as right. we're – oh, no, so actually, no, on yeah. Krebs. Um, yeah, no, there was, there was an arrest in Los Angeles okay. as of so, this morning. But, but let's be clear here. Yeah. Like, that's an allegation at this point. Yes, and absolutely. And just because a swatting was brought, you know, this was out for the public to see, and it's easy to imagine 4chan or someone like that making this call. I mean, we just don't know. I mean, it could be this person. It could not. So let's right. just be really careful to say alleged at absolutely. this point. Yes. Um, to me, you know, I spent a lot of time on the phone with the Associated Press yesterday uh, doing interviews about this. I think it's really important to remember um, there is no federal anti-swatting uh, law. So, you know, as there may be local laws about this, but when it happens across state lines, which is generally the the case, law enforcement doesn't have the easiest path forward with subpoenaing information, with, uh, you know, identifying people, with bringing charges, because there's no federal law about this. There's a bill in Congress written by Catholic Catherine Clark, that if I'm elected, I 100 uh, percent plan on heavily lobbying for her to to sign. But that's a huge issue for law enforcement here. And this is the other thing I want to say here, Steve. And this is this is so important. You know, we lost uh, we lost Steptoe Toll House earlier yeah. this year. Mm-hmm. And I just want to give you guys a little history lesson. What what year did Xbox Live come online? Was uh, it 2005, I believe? Uh, 2005 was when the 360 came out, so it would have been before that, probably like 2003, okay. somewhere around there. Sure. Okay, but this is the whole period of time. Um, you know, Steptoe lobbied at Microsoft for a one-strike-and-you're-out policy for this kind of toxic behavior. 
And as much as I want to see this kid go to jail about this, as much as I want to see law enforcement held to standards about this, I think, you know, we're a tech show. We have to look at the tech angle. For me, Microsoft or, you know, Activision, you know, or PlayStation Network, all of these facilitating services have a responsibility here because apparently this kid had a, um, had a history of extremely toxic, threatening behavior. And it was just allowed to continue on the Call of Duty boards, which are run by Activision. Um, you know, as far as like giving threats uh, in voice chat on XBLA, that is nearly impossible to uh, report. For me, my username online is just Brianna Wu or Space Cat Gal. I don't hide who I am because I don't think I should. Um, and I deal with threats all the time. I also deal with people going like, ha, 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 Brianna Wu, that is an awesome troll username, username <laughs> which I love. <laughs> I love that one a lot. That's great. Uh, yeah, isn't that great? Uh, but yeah, the, the platforms have a responsibility here yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this, just to sum up, this really shows how our abrogation of responsibility here has led to a child's death who doesn't even play video games. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I guess I want to, I want to, he's actually a father of two, I believe. So, Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. He's, um, yeah, he's, uh, he's a 20, 28 year old father of two who was, who was killed. So mm. this, this is an article from the New York daily news that just came out this morning following the arrest that I'll, I'll throw in our, our, I'll put a show notes too, but I'll throw it in the, uh, in the link. But I guess it's, it's saying that he, he had, they said, the police say that he moved his hand toward the waistband and that's why they, they shot him. But he was, he just answered the door. He wasn't even like a kid who was involved. He was just, you know, a, a man at home a with his kids. Yeah, random person. Opens the door and sees a bunch of, a bunch of policemen in front of him. Completely uninvolved. The person that had called it in had previously allegedly been charged with making bomb threats to TV stations. I feel bad for the person that was that that called it in to this person like do like did they do they really know that this is like this person was seriously gonna call this in or that this would happen i'm like, pretty I sure that, i i, I the, don't think that he thought that anyone was gonna die but i'm right. i have no doubt from reading like the you know what from the reading the primary sources on this i have no doubt this guy expected that it's what was gonna get called in for sure it's so it's so horrible, um, and the the fact that any online harassment can be you know acceptable on any online gaming is is absolutely ridiculous. Like you know all the games that I like when I play with my kids, um, you know we don't let them play on any game that you can chat with unless you can ban people that are rude. Um, and and like one game that we play, which is called Rec Room, uh, which is just a free VR game. Um, you just, if you try to ban someone for being rude, you know, then it goes to everyone else. Are they being rude? Do you want to ban them? And then it's like a group decision to have them either banned or blocked or bumped from game. And, you know, it's just the group decides, is this acceptable or not? And then it's immediate. They're just gone. Um, that's they, that's scary, though, because a lot of dudes that play these games are not going to care about, you know, sexist comments. And that's a fact. They may not. I'm, they may yeah. not, but it also goes to the what they said, <clears throat> like it's an immediate thing. And if it doesn't happen, but that then petition then goes to the people that are at the game that then they can review it and see what was happening in their logs. So 
there's an immediate action that if the group decides, which again, if you're playing with a whole bunch of horrible people, yes, that may not happen. But at least there's an immediate chance. And on this game, it's, you know, it's a VR system. It's expensive. Usually it's like, you know, adults that are playing or they're little ones. So like, you know, we kind of deal with that. Um, and then later it can get reviewed by the people that can actually take a look and see what's happened and if it's appropriate or not appropriate, which I think is something that needs to happen in online gaming more often because um, we need to have an immediate action and then we need to have something that someone can look and actually see what was there and is it appropriate or does it go against their terms of use. Uh, they also have things like you know bubbles around you so you can't have anyone get too close to you if you don't want uh, and you can make it any size that you want that to be. And um, there's there's things that you can do that are really relatively simple and efficient, but they need to actually do it. In the end, they're looking at profit instead of safety and making people feel comfortable. And until people speak out that this is inappropriate and then use you know their wallets by not buying games that they're not safe for everyone and make everyone feel comfortable where they're at, they're probably not going to do anything about it. Or legislation. I, I don't think that's, yeah, I was about yeah. to say legislation is yeah. the only way oh, forward yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, Gamers yeah. are never going to change the toxic culture, and that's a fact. You know, I've talked to so many game developers that you know, feel if uh, you know, Microsoft had the guts to stick with Steptoe back in, you know, 2005 and keep these policies implemented, we wouldn't have these issues with toxic culture, which means the alt-right may not have risen to the degree that it did, yeah. and Donald Trump might not be president today. I'm not sure I 100% agree with that logic, but I think it's a it's a good argument. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I personally think the only way forward is going to be, uh, you know, legislation uh, requiring the companies to do better. And that's yeah. exactly why we'll do if I'm elected to Congress. Yeah. And I mean, you see it even like you see a, there are some games and some platforms that are trying to tackle this. I mean, Blizzard's doing it at varying degrees of uh, veracity across their games. Overwatch being the one that's been getting a lot of uh, a lot of attention lately because the community in that game is extremely toxic. From what I understand, I've stopped playing it basically, and I never played with chat anyway. But I, I know from friends who play it that it's gotten very toxic. And I mean, you even have like Jeff Kaplan, who's like the the I don't, I don't know if he's the the lead designer or the program manager, whatever his title is, actually going into like forums and calling out people who are complaining about getting banned too much and like going through like you have over 220 reports for harassment. Here are examples from your chat logs. This is what you're doing. You're not getting back in. But it's it's like it's too late now. Like you can't go back and put the genie back in that bottle without having some sort of a. Uh, you know, of a consistent approach from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the the fact that this whole thing escalated from a dollar and 50 cent bet is I don't even know if it's something that you could tackle in a platform like I, it seems like it's something. What do you that, mean by that? What do you I, mean by that? I mean, because, well, first of all, none of this happened inside of the platform, right? Like inside of the platform. What in, do you mean inside by of that? the game? Right. So they have this this external site that is enabling wagering on the game, which is probably not helping. And then from my understanding, like a lot of these conversations were happening outside of the game as well, not inside like game chat. So somehow these these people are getting together through this, you know, through this external site and then having this argument over the external site. And that's where everything else came in. 
So it's almost like the whole like it, the culture is gotten as bad as it is. And then but even if you fix like toxicity in game, I don't know that you fix like this culture of terrible people having an avenue to be terrible. You, you know, I don't that that's where I don't even know like it helps for sure, but it's I, I don't know if that solves all problem. Like- like the top-down approach of what is acceptable on yeah. your game definitely um, would help the amount of aggressivity that comes through on gaming. Like the level of, of people being aggressive in, in more violent games, it's high. It's just high. And if you don't tolerate that, then people might not yeah. be as heated and might not do things as rashly. And then people that want to game just to be aggressive to others, which some people do, that's the, their way of venting, will yeah. go to other platforms of being able to deal with it. And maybe some of them will be more adaptive than this. I, I just think that there is a law we could pass. Like um, if, if I were this family, you know, I'm not a very litigious person. I've actually never been in a lawsuit in these diminished value claims for my Porsche. This is the first time ever going to sue somebody if the insurance company doesn't pay up. But, you know, for me with this, um, with if I were this person's family, especially considering that they have, have kids, I think it would be a very interesting lawsuit if they went after this betting site, which, um, you know, I don't know the facts of this case. I'm only speculating. This is my opinion. But it seems to me they must have not had very good community management Mm -hmm. uh, or ban policies, and anything went. And um, I think that if this went to civil court, I think there's certainly a, a very interesting legal case that could be made that that site is, you know, civilly liable for, yeah. uh, you know, mm-hmm. what happened here. So um, I do think that we are going to have to get more responsibility by these platforms. And this is yeah. where I think it's I, really yeah. important to go back in time and look at the history of the game industry. Um, you know, in the 90s, we had Congress that was threatening to uh, regulate games uh, by congressional fiat. And the ESRB, I'm sorry, the ES, ESA uh, formed the ESRB, which self-regulate games. This was a wildly successful corporate initiative. It's self-policing. It's one of about five I can think of that have actually worked. Yeah. You know, I think that the industry is going to have a really stark choice in front of it. You can either get your game together, you can start cracking down this activity like we did with the ESRB, because I think everyone, including myself, would prefer Congress not be involved in this. But if you're not going to, this will happen one way or the other. And, you know, it's time to take this seriously. You know, games are not some separate life thing. Like this is reality in 2017 and we got to start treating this like the public square, which it is. Um, so should we go from there to talking about something positive in games so that Let, I think, let's that, do sounds, it. Let's I think do that sounds it. better because, uh, so we, there was a report this week that the Nintendo switch has sold more in its first year in Japan than the PlayStation two did. Wow. And it sold Amazing. more. And the and Japan uh, bought as many switches in ten months as they did Wii U's in five years. So, and especially for a console that I, I won't speak for anyone else, but I was certainly very skeptical about. Even though I had, oh kind yeah, of, I predicted the idea like long before we even knew what it was going to be. Just the fact that they were going to be making something, but I was very skeptical about Nintendo being able to 
pull something like this off. But the the fact that they that they have and done so in a way that I was actually our uh, Brie, our, our mutual friend Jenny, she and I were having a conversation on Twitter the other day, and we both have gotten switches and we both have agreed that basically that's the only place that we want to buy games at this point. Like, yeah, I, I, this is the first time that I looked at this steam sale and I normally get something like, I don't get a lot, but I usually end up getting something. And this is the first year that I looked at a couple games and I said, you know what, that's coming out for the switch in a couple months. I'll just wait Yeah, because it's such a better way for me to play the games and the library for a, a, a system that's not even a year old is even outside of games like Mario and Zelda that you expect is probably one of the best lineups of software that I can remember in a very long time, especially for a system that just launched in its first year. Yeah, I I could not agree more. Um, you know, we were very skeptical when this came out. And for me at my house, uh, you know, I'm running for Congress this year. I don't have as much time as I used to have. Uh, when we moved to our new house and started setting stuff up, there are two things I plugged into our television. It was my Nintendo Switch and it was my NES Classic. And that's it. Um, because honestly, I, I'm sure at some point I will want to go play some Final Fantasy, uh, 14, but it's just for me as a gamer, this is, it's perfect. Like I throw it in my purse when I leave the house, um, I take it with me on trips and it really meets all my gaming needs. You know, when I introduced this topic for us, Steve, um, I was talking about like, what is our game of the year? Yeah. And for me, the game of the year is the Nintendo switch yeah. because you look at what's on there. Like, the AAA must have historically really important games. You've got Splatoon 2, which is the best multiplayer shooter, period. Yep. Um, I'm not as thrilled as some others are on Mario Odyssey. Uh, To me, it's like a level expansion pack for Super Mario 3D World, which I think is the best Mario game ever made. But it's a solid game. It's a very, very good game. Anyone would agree. You've got Breath of the Wild which is absolutely stunning. Uh, You have L.A. Noir, that remake, which is extremely, extremely, extremely good. And the game of the year for me, personally, the one I never thought would be this good, is Mario Rabbit Kingdom. Yeah, I would Uh, agree with that. This is a spinoff. It's basically XCOM. There's a lot I want to see them correct for the sequel, if there is one. I want to see them make the difficulty curve less extreme. I want to see them cut down the exploration elements because there's just too much of it. But overall, this is... This is the game of the year, and I think um, out of all the dark spots of 2017, I think the Switch was not one of them, and this is a huge milestone in gaming. Like, I saw Rabbids, and I kept it open mind, but I'm still like, that's that's weird. Like, why are they doing that? But it's it really is one of the best games that if you're not playing it, you should be, because it's it and it takes strategy games like that. And it does, like, as much as the difficulty curve on normal difficulty is really high, like, my my 10-year-old, who's never played a game like that, has been playing it on her own, and she's been making a lot of progress on her own, too. So it's it's accessible enough, and it's simplified that anybody can get into a really deep game like that, because XCOM is, traditional XCOM is very overwhelming and, and very difficult even on an easy level. This, this is very it, difficult too. I it is mean. very difficult, but it's accessible, which is the difference where XCOM yeah. has a lot of other things going on. And, you know, you have the whole like management back in the spaceship and stuff like that. And this really boils it down to the, to the important elements. And 
takes difficult gameplay but makes it simplified, which is really, really difficult to do. And yep. that and, and it makes it and it's it's fun in a way that I think they understand what's fun about the Mario franchise that Nintendo doesn't even understand. Because huh. like the way that they take the the Mario like tropes and then flip them on their head and introduce like Rabid Peach, which we've talked about at length on on this show and and my daughter actually last night was just regale me, regaling me cuz she just got through the the boss battle that finishes with Rabid Peach taking selfies of like the of the the boss like crumbling into the lava or whatever and then pushing Luigi away when he's trying to look over her shoulder at her phone and you know just like those little touches like that that just make it delightful even outside of the gameplay and it's just such a good game and and also the fact that Nintendo finally got their stuff together with embracing the indie community and getting a really amazingly impressive lineup of indie games, some of which are exclusive, like Golf Story, which is also really close for me for Game of the Year. Which Golf is, Story? I've never even seen this in the yeah, store. It's really, really good. It's basically hmm. like if you take like an RPG and instead of battles, you have rounds of golf. And and like golfing challenges, like if you played like Mario this golf, is a golf RPG, it's a golf RPG. <laughs> it is. It's do you play biz- every. Do you actually golf? I I actually took golf in college to get out of my gym uh, requirement. So I actually okay. can play golf. I haven't played in a long time, but I have. Yeah. Okay. But I like I like golf games anyway. Like I I spent as many. As many hours as I spent on, like, Project Gotham Racing in the Xbox era, I probably spent on Lynx 2003. Like, I play golf games. But this is, like, you know, Mario Golf, like, where it's the top-down really simplified golf or, like, Hot Shots Golf. But, like, a lot, all the challenges that you're doing are, like, golf-related challenges where you're having to go through these different courses. And then there's, like, a golf murder mystery and a golf rap battle. And, <laughs> and it sounds great. That sounds like it really shouldn't work. Brie, I want to see you play this game. It's yeah. bizarre, but it's <laughs> so much battle. fun, and it's and it's very different than anything else that we've that we've seen mm. before. And it's it's like it's silly, but it's delightful. And it's a game that does, it's it's an exclusive to the Switch, and it does not mm. exist on any other platform. And it's really like I spent a lot of train train rides just playing through this game, and it's a good golf game mm. on top of it. So just like that they're able to embrace the indie community, get get indie titles like this, get remasters like Skyrim that I've also spent a lot of time on that I've never really given the time of day for on a PS4 or a PS3 rather, and make those games accessible to somebody who can't be tethered to a television for a very long time. It's amazing what they've done with it, despite some of the, ch- the early challenges. All right. So, so Georgia, when are you buying one? I... Uh, uh... <laughs> Let her bury her mother first, Steve, before we start. Wow. Wow. Before we start. Before the pressure comes on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Though playing video games is a nice way to go through, uh, you know, if you're going through morning uh, video games, definitely. Anything that that gives you that, like, you don't have to think too much because being alone or thinking too much is really bad. Like, I have my sister down, um, but... Um, they left and I was alone in the house for a little while. That was not a good time like that. And I was my house, like being at my mom's house. There's just, that's not really not good because all the memories. So playing video games is 
like a good way to just make sure that you don't overthink because you overthink and then you just start spiraling downwards. So, uh, you know, I guess actually probably, you know, a switch at this time would probably be not a bad idea because there's no way I can, I have, I don't have the energy level to set up VR. I just don't have the energy to be able to, I'm just too tired. VR, VR is not relaxing. VR is exciting. I couldn't do it. So actually out of all times, this might be the time where I'm like, oh, that does sound kind of good. Something like, you know, silly and ridiculous just so that I don't, you know, go into something deep, dark and serious. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is something really relaxing about golf games for some reason. Like, I, I mean, I'm maybe I'm weird that way, but I find that like the reason I like golf games is because it's it's low stress a lot of the time, and it's just very repetitive. But it's also kind of it, it's kind of like a Katamari game in the way where you're just kind of doing the same thing over and over again. It's a little bit of thinking, but not too much, and see, a lot I'm not of into, you know, like that's not the type of game I like though. Like, I like gathering games, searching games, and like 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 uh, creating armies kind of games like that type of thing is more my thing so i just don't know if golf though the, it sounds it sounds delightful they also released stardew valley for it which is one of the other really being able to take stardew valley portable is also a really big deal so you know that's another that's another game that you could probably lose a whole bunch of hours to in, in the same way that i don't know if you ever played any of the harvest moon games but it's basically the same thing how long does the battery last um usually i mean I will have like 45 minutes each way on the train and it's usually at about 60% when I get home. That's not a long time though. It's not a long time, but I mean, you're not, if you're not out a lot, then you just throw it in the dock when you're not using it. Right. And then it's, and then it charges up pretty quickly. Hmm. Like I never really, I don't think I've ever seen the, the, the only time that the switch actually like threw up the low battery alert at me was like the day that we lost power. And like I was using that just to pass the time, right. and and then that's one the one time that it was an issue. But other than that, I don't think it's ever been an issue with like the. I mean, have you ever run into that pre where you've you've actually like run down the switch playing it? Yeah, definitely. But yeah. Um, I'm probably not the only person that carries a external battery for my phone everywhere yeah, I true. go. So yeah. you know, I've got a uh, I just carry a USB C cable with me. Yeah. Yes, that's the other thing is that you can it's you know the the charging connector is standard finally for Nintendo which has not been the case. So you can just kind of you just take an external battery with you and then you just throw a USB-C cable in and you're good to go. Pretty much? Yeah. All right. So anything else you want to say about the the Switch Bree nope, or any other any system. other any other ways that we need to convince Georgia to get it? I mean there's no Shadow of Mordor sadly, so that's not yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> If that happens, yeah, I'll be there. Okay. So we were about to make a very difficult yeah. announcement on this show, and uh, Georgia uh, actually teared up uh, yeah. because, like, we've done this show for so long that she kind of um, she had to go because she's dealing with a lot with her mom right now. So Steve has uh, an announcement yeah. to make. Yeah. So um, just you know, we've been doing this show a long time, and. Um, you know, a lot of you have been with us since the isometric days, you know, for a few years and, um, just, we've decided that we're going to be ending the show next week's going to be our last episode. Um, so, you know, I know that that's, that's probably hard for you. It's hard for us. Um, but, you know, kind of feel like all, you know, 
all good things come to an end at, at some point. So, um, you know, if you want to send in any messages over the next week, we'll be happy to, to get them on, on next week's show. And so um, I think we should yeah. tell the listeners, Steve, yeah. why, why is the show ending? Well, I mean, quite basically, you know, it's, it's a lot of work to put this show together. I've, I decided that I was going to be taking a step back from the show and, um, just the amount of stuff that I, that's, that's happened, you know, for me personally, I've had to cut back on some things and this turned out to be one of the ones that I needed to cut back on. And we decided, especially after, you know, Michael leaving that rather than, you know, try to fill somebody else in that it was probably best for us to, uh, wrap up the show and then. Um, so that's it. It's nothing, you know, it's nothing nefarious or anything like that. Um, so, but you know, it it is a sad thing. It's been a big part of our lives and your lives for, you know, a long time. So we want to, you know, have one more week to, to wrap things up. And if you have anything you want to say, you can feel free to, to either, you know, send those in by Twitter, you know, the DMS are all open, or you can message the Twitter account at, underscore disruption fm or you can uh call in the voicemail line which is still at uh 508-418-3532 and uh we'll get those on the show and um you know it, you can find georgia at georgia underscore dow i'm at wicked good on twitter and Bree, where can people find you I'm at Space Cat Gal on Twitter. And yeah, I just have to say, like, uh, I remember when we started the show. It was it was years ago. And yeah. I was I was relatively unknown in the, the yeah. industry at that point. I hadn't landed any really big speaking gigs yet. Um I was I was known as a woman game developer, but not really, you know, like you know, the average person didn't know who Brianna Wu was. And I think about where I am today. You know, we had uh, Shipping Revolution 60, uh, you know, getting featured by Apple, winning some Game of the Year awards. Um, and then, obviously, Gamergate and all the aftermath of that. Um, and then I think about where we went from there. You know, now here I am running for United States Congress and running a, a very competitive uh, campaign. Yeah. Even if I don't win uh, this time, you know, I'm going to – I will win public office eventually. And uh, it's just, you know, when, when you have milestones like this, it makes you reflect on where you are yeah. and where you're going. And I think uh, – I, you know, I certainly hope that, you know, by the time I die, like I make the history books and I think that there are people that are going to look back at this show, I hope, and, you know, look at it to see, uh, this trajectory that I'm on. You know, when we started isometric, it was because I was angry that women were not represented in games. And, you know, today I find myself really fighting to put together a, a credible national platform and to serve the American people in Congress. So yeah. um, it's been it's been three and a half years of a lot of growth, Steve. Yeah. I mean, the, the whole show is is basically like a, a real time history of you going from indie game developer to, you know, to future congresswoman. Yeah. And it's you know, it, it's it's kind of amazing when you look at when you look at it from that timeline. I mean, yeah. and and we've been through a lot and sure have. Yeah. So, 
All right. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, there's not really a happy way to talk about this. There's not. There there's not. There's not. I will still be doing Rocket. Um, yep. One of the interesting things is if I win my race, I will not be able to take money from Rocket, but I will still be doing Rocket. That show is just a joy to my life every single week. So uh, you can catch me over there. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Go, go listen to something else. Go.